Has legalism crept into your life? And how do you know if it has? Find out next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Have you ever made a promise and later broke it? I think we all have. Maybe it was a promise to your kid to take them to the ball game and something came up so you didn't. Or you made a promise to start a ministry at church but didn't come through. While we so often break our promises, God never does. Last time on Abounding Grace, we learned some wonderful things about God, and one of them is that He's a promise giver and keeper. Pastor Ed Taylor will point out today that Abraham's faith led him right to the promise giver. We'll be in Romans chapter 4 and verses 13 through 18. You see, the emphasis in the scriptures is not what I do for God, but what He has done for me. It doesn't mean that we don't do for God. We do. We love God. We serve Him, motivated by love and joy and the assurance of our salvation, the security that we have in Jesus Christ. But a mistake happens when we start to emphasize what we do for God. And then we become very, well, I guess we could call it legalistic in our approach to God. And we minimize this omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, everywhere at once, omniscient, all-knowing, all-love, all-holiness, all-righteousness, well, into a God of our own making. We bring God down to our size. And guys, we need to be very careful of that. Following in Abraham's footsteps, we believe just like he did, and it's accounted to us for righteousness. We trust God as the promise giver. It's always a sad thing, you know, to watch a person, to see a person who's depending upon their own goodness to relate to God. It's a sad thing as a pastor. It's a sad thing as a fellow believer to watch a person who's always on the roller coaster of faith because when they have good days and good weeks, they're on fire for the things of God. And when they have bad days and bad weeks, they seem to be not on fire for the things of God. And what happens when you're not on fire for the things of God? Well, a week becomes two weeks and two weeks becomes four weeks and four weeks, well, becomes two months. And and what happens is a person backslides away from the Lord because they've been depending upon their own righteousness, their own good deeds, their own good works. And when they failed and when they stumbled, they simply make the decision to give up and quit, never allowing God's Holy Spirit to live that life of faith through them. And it's absolutely sad. When a person depends upon their own righteousness to be right with God, the very next step, well, it's really a couple steps. One is to backslide and fall away. Another one, well, you could lead into a legal relationship with God. We term that as legalism. Legalism, And before we go today, I want to give you some insight on legalism. I want to paint a picture for you that for some of you, it's going to go right to your heart. But first of all, let me define legalism for you. I like a definition from a pastor by the name of Erwin Lutzer. He writes this, I quote, Legalism is self-righteousness. It is the belief that God is satisfied with our attempt to obey a moral code. Legalists keep the law for self-glory or to merit some reward. They do not keep it because it expresses the desires of their hearts. I think it's a good definition. It's self-righteousness at its very core. 
The idea behind legalism is that I have reduced God and his heart and his desire and the leading of his Holy Spirit into this list of rules and regulations. This list right here. For some it's five things, for some it's ten things, for some it's elaborate, it's hundreds of things. But it's reduced into a list that I can keep. Not only can I keep this list, but now the list becomes the standard that I now judge others by. Why aren't you keeping this list? Well, why aren't you able to keep this list? And legalism really deals, and this is why for some of you it's going to go right to your heart. Legalism deals with the motives of your heart. I can't see necessarily legalism in your heart. I can only see it come out of your life. And believe me, it is readily seen, as we'll learn in a moment. Here's two questions to ask in relation to my understanding and relationship to God. Number one, am I obeying in order to be righteous? Or am I obeying as a result of Christ's righteousness living in me? Which way? Which way do you want to go? Do I want to obey because I really want to keep my salvation and I want to stay righteous and I want to stay holy and I want to keep this list? Or am I obeying motivated by love? And all of our studies so far are all intertwined. As you see, they all connect. Eugene Peterson describes the legalist this way. There are people who do not want us to be free. They don't want us to be free before God, accepted just as we are by grace. They don't want us to be free to express our faith originally and creatively in the world. They insist that we all look alike, talk alike, and act alike, thus validating one another's worth. Without being aware of it, we become anxious about what others will say about us, obsessively concerned about what others think we should do. We no longer live the good news, but anxiously try to memorize and recite the script that someone else has assigned to us. We may be secure, but we will not be free. And so I want, for those of you that are taking notes, I want to give you some things that may reveal to you today your tendency toward legalism. This is not an exhaustive list, but things that I've seen over the years biblically that shed light on our hearts to catch us if we're going in that direction. A few things that you want to look at, a few things that you want to ask yourself, a few things that when you see them, you may come to the conclusion, that's me. And if it is, I invite you to repent right here today. There is no need for us in the wonderful, glorious grace of God to become very legalistic and heavy-handed in our relationship with Jesus Christ but that we can live for Jesus in freedom. So again, not all, it's not exhaustive. There's many other things. But number one, a way that you can see a few signs that legalism has possibly crept into your life, number one, you care more about what people think than what God thinks. You care more about what people think than what God thinks. The Bible calls this the fear of man. The fear of man brings a snare, but the fear of God brings wisdom. Legalism quickly sneaks into our lives when all we care about is what people think. This is where other people's feelings and thoughts about you mean more than God's standard in your life. Listen to this. Well, you're already in Romans. Flip over to Romans 14, verse 4. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Isn't that free? Doesn't that bring freedom in your heart? Your relationship is with Jesus Christ. But when you begin to care about more what people think than what God thinks, then you're stepping into a trap, friends. Be careful. Number two, here's a sign that legalism might have crept into your life. You are overly critical of others who don't have the same convictions as you do. 
You're overly critical of others who do not have the same convictions as you do. Somewhere along the way, someone that's caught up in legalism forgets that different people are at different levels of maturity. This really happens in a church like ours that's surrounded with new believers, where new believers are simple in their relationship with the Lord, and they're simply growing. But then they meet some other believer along the way that says, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, it can't be that simple, because they've forgotten the simplicity of their life, and now it's no longer simple, but it's complicated in legalism. And now the way someone dresses really bothers you. And now the way someone talks really bothers you. And now the way someone acts really bothers you, because you've forgotten along the way that they might just be babies in Jesus. They haven't learned those things yet. They don't know yet. And so what happens is it rises up and we're all in the same church. We should all be on the same level. We should all be obedient at the same time. No, we're not. There are baby Christians in here that don't even know yet the things that you know. And so you want to be very, very careful when you become judgmental of the way someone talks or dresses or looks or whatever becomes a point of contention and arguing. You can't do that. How could you dress like that? And then when this confrontation comes up, usually the response from the other person is, Man, I didn't even know. I didn't know I was supposed to dress. Where'd you get your clothes? I should go buy the clothes just like you. You know, I didn't know I was supposed to dress like that. I had no idea how Christians dress, how Christians look, how Christ, what Christians do. I just love Jesus, man. I, what's your deal? I, I, I. And he's like, hey, you know you've gotten into trouble when you're only finding yourself critical of others because they don't have the same convictions you do. And now your convictions have to be their convictions. Maybe they don't agree with you. Maybe they're not there yet. Always a danger. Number three, legalism has definitely crept in when you lay heavy burdens on others. You lay heavy burdens on others. Isn't that what the Pharisees did? They went around laying heavy burdens on people. Listen to this. Matthew chapter 23, verse 3. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, Jesus says, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. When we lay heavy burdens on others... Our personal convictions have now become someone else's, even though they're not in the same place as you are. So now that as a Christian, instead of being a burden bearer, we've become a burden giver, and that is not the heart of Jesus Christ in his church. That actually takes away freedom that we have. Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. But legalism brings people into bondage, where our convictions now become someone else's. Number four. This is a deep one. This is where the first service went silent. And I imagine you will too. But listen, listen. This is a sign that legalism has crept into your life. You're getting good at seeing other people's sins. You're becoming a master at it. You've forgotten about the sinfulness of your own heart and your own life. But boy, have you become good at seeing it in others. You might even be, you might even be considered a sin sniffer. <laughs> And if I see you walking around, I'm avoiding you, bro. Stay away from me. Sin sniffers, yes. Not only are things right with you, but now you want to make sure things are right with everyone else. Some even believe this is their God-given gift to find sin in the church. I've got it, Pastor Ed. I've taken, I am your sin master. You ask me and I'll tell you about the sin in anybody in this church. 
Marshall Shelley wrote a great book to pastors and leaders. He entitled it, Well-Intentioned Dragons. And throughout the book, he gives instruction to those that are leaders in the church to be careful in how to lovingly minister to difficult people. Well-intentioned, but dragons nonetheless. He describes the sin sniffer as a bird dog. Let me quote to you from his book. The bird dog. Four-legged bird dogs point where the hunter should shoot. The two-legged bird dog loves to be the pastor's eyes, ears, and nose, sniffing out items for attention. If I were you, pastor, I'd give Mrs. Green a call. She has some marital problems you need to confront. Or, we need more activities for the youth. Or, why doesn't the church do something about and you fill in the blank? Of particular bother to the spiritual leader is the super spiritual bird dog. This purebred strain is more likely to point out things that always leave the pastor feeling defensive and not quite spiritual. And might I add, it also leaves the believer defensive and not feeling quite spiritual. I quote, the Lord has laid on my heart that we need to be praying more for renewal, pastor. Who could argue with that? Or we need to develop more discipleship and maturity with this congregation. Wouldn't you say, pastor? These people like to give the impression that they have more spiritual perception than anyone else. Legalism, my friends. Very, very, very ugly. It's ugly in someone else's life, but it's really ugly in our lives, personally. What number are we on, five? You guys on five? Number five? Here's another sign that legalism has crept into your life. You tend to be more black and white than those around you. You tend to see things spiritually more black and white than those around you. Not making room for any gray areas. It's black and white. Every single jot, every single tittle. You cross the I, you cross the T's, you dot the I's. Black and white. Now, don't, get me, don't misunderstand me, please. There are definitely things in the scripture that are black and white. God definitely calls certain things sin, certain things unlawful, certain things not good. I'm not speaking to the things where the Bible is black and white. I'm speaking about the things where the Bible isn't black and white. Situations in people's lives where we don't have all the information. Situations in people's lives where because we don't have the full story, we've come to the wrong conclusion. And we've come down because we're black and white. And we know right and wrong. And you don't know right and wrong. And, and you know, I, I know what's right in your life. And so this is what's right. And, and it's just heaviness. It's just, it's crazy. It's just so not needed in our lives. There are things that are certainly clear cut, but there are many things that are not so clear cut. Let me tell you, friends, when you get involved in someone's life, you will learn this. When you start getting involved with messed up marriages, you will learn this. When you start getting involved in serving the Lord, you will learn this. When you start sacrificing yourself, you will learn this. When you go down to the convalescent home and minister to people that can't get up, you will learn this. When you go to the hospital and you pray with someone that's just been diagnosed with cancer, you will learn this. You will learn that, you know, things aren't so black and white after all. God is much bigger than my little list that I've developed over the years because I'm mature and I know my way around the scriptures. The more and more I move around the scriptures, the more and more I learn that I have still a lot to learn about the things of the Lord. And if you find yourself more black and white in your life, then that tends to lead to a legalistic heart, always coming down on people, always coming down with the hammer. Be careful. Number six, you know that you might be leaning toward legalism when you're more of a policeman than a paramedic when someone else sins. 
Now, if you don't know what that means, we went through a whole Sunday looking at John chapter 8 in a Bible study we did on Sunday morning not too long ago. Pick it up off the web or get the CD. But we spoke to when someone else sins, what is your heart? Are you a policeman? A policeman interested in all the facts and interested in the judgments and interested in making sure all the details are there so that all the law is enforced when someone sins. Overly critical, hypercritical. You know, when you're a policeman, when someone sins, your attitude is, well, someone else's sin becomes your personal inward victory. You're actually happy about someone's sin. You're glad they fell. In your heart, you're thinking they should have fallen. It's about time they fell. I wish they would have fallen earlier. How could they? Why didn't they take my warnings? Why didn't they listen to me? They were listening to the same Bible studies I was listening to. And what an ugly heart. (laughs) It's not ugly. That's just ugly. A paramedic, though, when he comes on the scene of an accident, is only interested in rendering aid. I just want to help. I just want to, we went through a whole Bible study. Pick it up if you have. It's foundational to the heart of our church. If you haven't heard it yet, you need to. You can download it for free. You can grab the CD, but get it. You need to understand that our hearts, our hearts have to be filled with grace. God will deal with the judgment. And even church leadership at times have to deal with judgment. But for most of our hearts and most of our lives, we have a great opportunity to love someone when they've fallen. To rush alongside of them and help them up to restore to them what the enemies tried to steal from them. It's a very loveless attitude. Number seven, this is a good sign that legalism has crept in. You're one thing with some people and you're another with others. You know what that's called? Hypocrisy. That's right. You're a hypocrite and you know it. And actually, if you don't know it, everyone else does. They see it. Hypocrisy is very readily evident. It's especially readily evident to, the, evident to the people that know us best, the people that live with us, the people that work with us, our neighbors. Legalism comes in because now you're living with yourself that way. You've been told and you've been told, you've been shared. God's brought all these people into your life, but you haven't listened. You can jot it down in Galatians chapter 2. It's exactly what Peter fell into. And Paul, it says, he had to come and rebuke him. Because he was one thing with one people and another thing with others. That comes and stems from legalism, friends. You've got different code of conducts depending on where you're at. And then finally, again, this isn't an exhaustive list, but finally, number eight. Number eight, a good sign that legalism has crept into your life is that you're not enjoying Jesus all that much anymore. You're just not enjoying it. Psalm 40, you know how you've been pulled out of the pit, the miry clay, your feet been set on solid rock. God sets, put a new song in your heart, put a new path before you. You don't care anymore. It's just not fun. As a matter of fact, church might even become a burden to you. It's heavy now. Now all you're thinking about with church is, no, you're not going to tell me to do something again, are you, pastor? I'm sick and tired of being told what to do. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I don't even care anymore. I'll tell you what, legalism will sap the love and the grace and the mercy of God out of our lives faster than all of the spiritual development that's happened over the years. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 11 that his yoke was, what, easy and his burden, what, light. But a legalist, it's not even fun anymore. You're not even enjoying Jesus and the simplicity of your sins being forgiven because now you're all right with your sins forgiven. Now you want to deal with everyone else's sins. And it's not even fun anymore. Oh, it's heavy, isn't it, legalism? It saps the life out of believers. It saps the life out of marriages and friendships. It saps the life out of churches. And I remember right here in verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace. It's not according to the law. 
It's not according to the law that Abraham was saved. He was according to grace by faith so that what? God's promise might be sure. A sure promise. So for those of you taking notes, number one, you care more about what people think than what God thinks. Number two, you're overly critical of others who don't have the same convictions as you do. Number three, you lay heavy burdens on others. Number four, you're getting good at seeing other people's sins. Number five, you tend to be more black and white than those around you. Number six, you're more a policeman than a paramedic than when others fall into sin. Number seven, you're one thing with some people, you're another with others. Number eight, you're in, you aren't enjoying Jesus all that much. And let me add number nine. You take this list and you go judge somebody with it. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Back in chapter four of Romans as we close for communion. Abraham avoids all this, friends, by simply loving God and living by faith. And so can we. Abraham's faith leads him right to the promise giver where he lays his life down before him and trusts him. Our next study together will be looking at Abraham's faith in particular. I've entitled it, I Want the Faith of Abraham because the characteristics of Abraham's faith is something I want in my life. I want to live through some of the things that he teaches me and God shows me in his life because Abraham was a man just like you and me. He wasn't a super saint and a superhero he was a man with the flesh and the weaknesses of his flesh. And Abraham's faith leads him right to the promise giver so that his emphasis isn't on what he could do for God, but what God has done for him. Today on Abounding Grace, we've listened into a portion of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in Romans. If you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Have you had a chance to download our app? This is a great way to take in the teaching of God's Word and download it for free today by searching for Calvary Aurora. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. Even just a quick hello telling us the station you listen to means a lot. Maybe you didn't realize it, but Pastor Ed reads them. Let us know how we can pray for you, too. You can email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, we have an excellent resource to share with our listeners this month. Would you take a minute to describe it for us? We're starting off the new year, Larry, with a resource that's near and dear to our hearts here. It's a small little book called On Being a Servant of God by Warren Wiersbe. Uh, heaven has gained a great saint in Warren Wiersbe. He passed away in 2019, but his legacy will live on because he was a prolific author. This little book has added so much insight to the servanthood and leadership of our church here, and we want to share it with you. And really, why we do the Picks of the Month, I know that we associate it with the, the development of resources for Abounding Grace, like we, your support and how it helps keep Abounding Grace on the air and production costs and all that, but that's not actually the point of why I offer resources to you. I so appreciate you partnering with us and picking up the resources, but the main motive of why we have a book of the month or various resources is I want you to build a strong spiritual library that will make you more useful for the kingdom of God. And this book, as you start out in January, by the end of the year, you'll have 12 resources in your library or in your Kindle library. Even if you don't get it from us, order it on Amazon, get it on Kindle, your favorite book uh, selling, you know, however you get books, and 
and let it be a new year's resolution or a commitment to build a spiritual library, read these books, and grow. And so this first one is on being a servant of God, because sometimes people lose sight of the core of their ministry or don't even understand what servanthood is. You, you're new to Christianity, and you're like, well, servanthood, I don't want to be a servant. I don't want to be bossed around. And we have all these thoughts and, uh, and definitions that are associated with words, and it's good to get a biblical foundation for the words in which we use. And servanthood is intended to yoke you to Jesus and make you more effective. On being a servant of God, it's very easy to read short, short chapters. Really, you could use it as a devotional for the month of January. You can use it as a devotional and read a chapter a day. I think there's 30 or 31 chapters, super, super short, and will develop your mindset for the coming year in 2020. Whatever the Lord has for us, we're going to set the pattern of abiding in Christ and serving him with all our heart, soul, and mind. That's On Being a Servant of God by Warren Wiersbe. Get it, and however you get it, thanks for your support, thanks for your prayers, and thanks for your financial uh, support of Abounding Grace. Uh, you guys have been faithful years after year after year after year, and we're grateful. We sure are thankful for those that have partnered with us in the past and look forward to what God wants to do in the future. If you'd like a copy of On Being a Servant of God by Warren Wiersbe, just call 877-30-GRACE. We're making it available right now for a gift of $25 or more. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from Romans. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.